Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with special guest Grant Sandground, longtime teammate and now a uh, uh, key figure at Upper Deck. If you like what Upper Deck's doing, uh, Grant probably had a hand in it. And, and I'm looking forward to that here in Grant's origin story. I'm aware of the first two thirds of it pretty, pretty much, but looking forward to hearing uh, what Grant says. But first, thanks sponsors. First, Upper Deck, which is Grant's current employer, Panini, Tops, Beckett Media, Grant's former employer and my uh, old uh, company, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, our mutual friend, Rob Barris, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions. Those are the sponsors. And glad to get uh, somebody from Upper Deck, uh, not, not besides Chris Carlin. I enjoyed having Chris on there, but I'm really looking to have a good time uh, catching up with Grant and hearing about some of his substantive, just where he's been, what he's been up to, and what's going on at Upper Deck. So welcome, Grant. Welcome to the show. Uh, tell us a little bit about your hobby origin story. Thanks so much, Jim. I appreciate it. I started collecting trading cards in 1977. I was about nine years old. I had actually moved with my family from Los, uh, from London to Los Angeles in 1975. Well, I didn't know anything about baseball, basketball, football, hockey, you name it. I didn't know anything about nothing. And two years later, I had, I don't know why, but I started getting interested in, in Topps baseball cards in 1977. I, I, we, we had all the neighborhood kids were playing baseball in the street. We played sports all day long, and, and I was Star Wars crazy as well. That was the year Star Wars released. So I went head over heels, bonkers crazy, collecting Star Wars cards and Topps baseball cards. And you know me pretty well. Uh, as you might imagine, I was the crazy kid that tried to collect every single card in the Topps baseball set. I managed to do so. Uh, Fran Healy was the last card I needed. I still remember that to this day. Again, I grew up in L.A., so Steve Yeager was my favorite player. He was very excited to get any Dodgers card back then. But I, I collected both non-sport and sports stuff aggressively kind of right from the start quickly branched out into collecting Topps football cards and you name it, Charlie's Angels, Battlestar Galactica, anything I could get my hands on really. Up through about 1980, the first card shop I ever went to was, uh, had opened up. And we were, it was about 80 or 81, because I do remember Fernando Mania pretty vividly. It was a big deal. And going to the card shop was a revelation. I think it was Al and Kathy Baker. I forget the name of the store, but you may remember them. I don't know. And obviously, the uh, Valley Sports Card, Max, uh, Max Himmelstein, um, his shop was open, I believe, in the early mid-70s. Yeah. So I quickly managed to figure out that that existed and started going to card shops um, with my friends. Uh, my parents, you know, I'd bug my parents until they would take me and quickly started collecting the Donruss and the Fleer and the Topps Traded Sets, so you name it. Your price guides, I think your first guide, what was the first year your, your um, baseball price guide came out? Well, the, the first book was 79, and then the first magazine was 84. 84. Okay. So I was buying, by 84, I was buying tons of stuff. And really, I started working at card shops in 1984 as well. Joel Hellman hired me uh, to work at JJ's Budget Baseball Card Shop. So it was a really cool shop because it had a batting cage next to it as well. He owned the batting cage too. So uh, that, I was about 15, 16 years old in 1984. And I got to work in a baseball card shop and got uh, free batting cages for like a couple hours a day. It was, it was ideal. And I quickly, with, with Joel, he was wonderful. He let me take over buying collections. So I would be a 16-year-old kid, and I'd be buying 52 mantles and all sorts of stuff. In fact, I got a 52 mantle from him from a collection that he let me earn in store credit. Uh, now, the thing looked like a Mack truck ran over it yeah. backwards and forwards for about 20 minutes, but I had a 52 mantle at the time, which was pretty amazing for uh, a 16-year-old kid. My father helped me set up a card shows. Uh, I was setting up a card shows as early as 14 years old around LA, buying and selling cards and malls and you name it. So I was pretty hardcore into it, and by the time I went to college, most kids, you know, always stop collecting, but I actually had some, met some friends that were collectors. I went to college at UC Santa Barbara, uh, starting in 1985, and met some uh, collectors that I still know, some friends I still know to this day that still collect. In fact, 
I remember trading for a Fleer Michael Jordan rookie while I was in college, a better friend busted from a pack that he got at uh, a store at one of the two stores in Santa Barbara at the time, in downtown Santa Barbara. So I had collected throughout college and I also set up at shows throughout college. So instead of really trying to go to school and deliver pizza or whatever kind of jobs to make a few dollars, once a month, I would either set up at a show in Santa Barbara or I would set up, drive down to LA and set up a show in LA and I could make you know, pretty good money, thousand, two thousand bucks uh, for working one day. And that gave me some of the spending money I needed in college. And it also kept me in tune with the hobby. I was always buying the Beckett magazines because you kind of had to have them. You couldn't be at a show without them to you know, negotiate prices and whatnot. And I was um, studying radio TV film at uh, Santa Barbara. And it is not an easy industry to get into, let me tell you that. Uh, I never dreamt in a thousand years that I'd ever have um, a career in, in baseball cards, basically. Um, but lo and behold, in the beginnings of my senior year, you had written an owner's box that said you were hiring. You were looking to expand into a, base, a basketball magazine and a football monthly magazine and a hockey monthly magazine. You were looking for more people. And I, I read it flabbergasted saying, that's a real thing? I'm only going to pay you to do that? You know, Grant, you know, this, you know, as you're going through this narrative, I don't know if the, if the other listeners are picking up on this, but when you describe your background and then you say we were looking to hire somebody, you, with your background, and, and it proved to be true, you were a lottery pick. <laughs> you were a lottery pick with, that, with a wonderful background of being a bright guy and uh, industrious and you know, high integrity. And so I know that the listeners are going to know how the story ended up. But when we were looking for people, we, weren't, we were looking for people like you. And they weren't that easy to find, but people that, that wanted to be part of something that was really uh, taken off. So Anyway, pick up with this story. So I yeah, so I was have to ask for help. Yeah, so I read the owner's box because I think I was getting up ready to do a show. So I needed a new, new press guy. I couldn't believe it. So my parents had always raised me to make sure they sent me to college, telling me make sure you do what you want to do, but make sure you love it. Make sure you're passionate about what you do, and make sure you out hustle people. Nobody can take your hustle away from you. Somebody may be faster, somebody may be sharper and smarter, but nobody can take your effort away from you. So find something you love to do and work really hard at it. And I never thought in a thousand years that I would get to do something of my true passion, which was collecting cards. And, and so I, I remember talking to my dad and he told me, make sure when you send in your resume that it stands out. So I bought this garish yellow poster tube. I don't know if you've ever, if you keep in touch with Fred Reed or not, but Fred Reed, as you know, when he was the vice president, I believe the VP at the time. And he was the one that told me that I think he got the, the resume and it was this bright yellow poster tube. And in it, I did a big drawing of Michael Jordan because I did a lot of uh, art studio. So I love to draw and I'm like, you used to have some great artists do the back covers of the, the magazines back in the day. I thought, ah, you know, maybe this will put me over the top. Maybe this will be the one thing that separates me from the other people. and Maybe they'll hire me. So I did this big drawing of Michael Jordan, and I put my resume in there, I rolled up the drawing, and I sent it off. And lo and behold, I got a phone call back. And I was just, I was at Santa Barbara at the time, you know, a student in my senior year. And I remember when the interviews, I think I must have had two or three phone call interviews. And this was getting towards my final semester of finals. So this was, it was a crazy time. I was cramming for finals, dealing with trying to get my first real job interview. And it got to the point where I was offered to be flown out from Santa Barbara to Dallas, Texas. And I had never been to Dallas, Texas a day in my life. Jim, I thought there was like shootouts at high noon. I didn't know anything about Dallas. I knew nobody, I, you know, rolling tumbleweeds and Yul Brynner and you name it. Yeah. Um, so sure enough, you guys flew me from the regional airport in Santa Barbara, first class, no less. Uh, I remember the ticket was $1,004 for the ticket. I was like, wow. Kidding. Well, this news to no, me. Oh, I can't believe that. I know that I don't think I'd ever flown first class <laughs> in my life before that. I, I took that as a takeaway. Like they must really want to talk to me. I guess. I guess. Yeah. And um, so you guys flew me in and it was hot. It was, uh, Theo Chen was working with you guys at the time. I remember Theo picked me up from the airport and it was just 
beastly hot. It must have been 105 degrees, and I had a wool suit and a tie that was tied super tight. It's just, and I got driven immediately from, probably from uh, Left Field Airport, to what was the old steak and ale restaurant on Beltline? Probably. For yeah. a lunch interview, and there was like 23 people there. <laughs> <laughs> so just this intimidating gauntlet of people but i don't think you were there it was everyone else i remember reed in, in pepper and jay and, and all the other guys were there and i quickly figured out okay there's 23 people here there's about two or three people that really know cards here now i got that in about 15 minutes rich oliveri really wasn't going to grill me i think he was there for a free dinner or free lunch lovely guy though. and if you went well you know i i I knew my stuff pretty Good well. Stuff, yeah. I, 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 I bled trading cards. I breathed trading cards. I was really passionate. I was opinionated. I wasn't afraid to share my opinions of what you, I thought you guys were doing right or wrong. I thought that that would be what you'd want to hear. I, you know, if, if, if I had a different opinion on how you guys are doing something, I was going to share that. And I was brought back to the building. And I remember I finally got to meet you. And when I was a kid, it was kind of like I felt like I was meeting the Wizard of Oz. And like the emerald, uh, you know, castle, and uh, you know, all that stuff was getting oh, the yellow uh, pulled back. So that was that was a really really cool opportunity for me. I was 21 years old at the time, and to get to meet you, and you were so welcoming. We talked. I remember talking for about an hour or so, um, and it was great. Uh, you know, I'm gonna backtrack real quick because I have a funny story. I, I talked with Fred Reed before I spoke with you. I don't know if he ever told you this story or not. Oh no 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 no! I'm sorry, I'm going out of order. We spoke, and you offered to drive me back to the airport. And I don't remember if you guys had offered me the job as you were driving me back or not. Do you have any remembrance of that? Well, let me just interject part of what was going on that I think you know about. But I, be, I don't know if I called uh, Joel, you know, JJ, yeah. Joel Hellman, or he called me. But I got what perhaps to this day, I've never had a stronger recommendation from anybody in my life about a position. And he basically, he didn't, he just said, you need to hire this guy and you will never regret it. And you will be thanking me for the rest of your life. Every time you see me, you will be thanking me for delivering Grant Sandground to your company. So that's Isn't really that that's, that's so crazy weird. I, I that, had a lot to thank for Joel too. That he was uh, great. Now, again, for those listeners who don't know, Joel in his other one of his other gigs was he was a stand-up comedian, but he wasn't joking in this case. <laughs> So go ahead. So uh, to re reveal something I don't know. About. Well, I can't remember if you guys hired me on the spot because I was there for two days and then you flew me back. I can't remember if you hired me on the spot or if you hired me afterwards, but I do have a recollection. Um, when Fred offered me the job and, and I accepted, and this is probably going to make me seem like pretty awful, but, but it's a funny story. I told him, I was so excited. I told him, you just made the best hire of the year. <laughs> And I was just so over the top excited, you know, and I was confident too. And he looked back at me and he twirled his big old mustache and he said, wow, you're a confident young man, aren't you? <laughs> and I remember that to this day. And I said, well, you know, let's, let's discuss it a year from now, but I'm going to work really hard and see if I can prove that to you. So I remember I, I flew home. I promptly stopped studying for my finals. I took my finals, but I stopped studying because I was, couldn't believe I actually had a real job to, to go to and a new life to start because I, you know, uh, graduated about a month later. I took a month off to pack my stuff up and moved to Texas. And you were there. We're, we're almost out of time, and I don't want to rush through this, but I think we'll just do another episode. I don't know that we're going to do the Grant, Grant Sandground origin story parts one, two, three, and four, but, but the early parts are what people are interested in sometimes uh, for the podcast listeners, and you were a big part of that, and you really were a lottery pick. And so, you know, we, we made uh, beautiful music together for uh, a couple decades. Yeah, 18 years. I was at Beckett for 18 years. Isn't that crazy? And then I think, well, and then you went to Upper Deck, which, and again, I, I hope that's been a great ride for you. I'm sure you're, you know, that they, we were 
you know, I, I had lots of people that worked in our company and then didn't. And all I ever, I didn't expect that people were going to work for the rest of their lives necessarily, but for, for me or for our company, but I just wanted them, if they were going to leave, they'd leave for a good reason and go to a good place. And I hope that's been the case for you with Upper Deck. You've certainly got to see the other side of the table and, and gone on to distinction there. So they, they, they need the help. Actually, I think Beckett Media would love to have your, your assistance as well, but I'm not the decision maker there anymore. You know, I, I could touch upon, a, I know we don't have a lot of time, but I would love to touch upon a couple points of all the time I spent at Beckett. I, I've met some wonderful, wonderful people and some lifelong friends. I do remember we, everybody that I've talked to that worked at Beckett, that may still work at Beckett or former employees, I think they all fondly remember playing basketball and playing volleyball. You were a very, we were a young company and you yourself were very supportive of sports and us playing sports. So you put in yeah. sand volleyball court. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. And you had a fat, yeah, we had a full court basketball court. Uh, we played volleyball on there as well. And I loved playing that. I, I mean, oh boy, the alumni that you could rattle off at current <laughs> companies, you know, and, and outside of the company, there were amazing people as well. Like we had some battles, you know, and it was, it was really fun. And I, I would assume that uh, a lot of the folks miss it as much as I do or look fondly back upon it as much as I do. That was great stuff. I love the opportunity to do all the writing I got to do. I wasn't just a numbers cruncher. I, I got to write a lot of the market watches for baseball and basketball and even hockey for some years. Are we running out of time, Jim? Are you giving me the right uh, time. I'm just going to have to have you back, Grant. I mean, it's, we'll, 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 uh, I'm sure the uh, listeners are enjoying as much time. But that's at our allotted 15 minutes for today. I'll get Grant back and we'll look at some of the other aspects that I know will be interesting. So thanks, Grant. Thanks for your contributions to the, to, to the, to the company and to the industry. And uh, be back again to, with another episode tomorrow.